Well, hello, friends, and welcome to the Wit Wednesday Pod. My name is Heath Queen from the Office of Career and Professional Development in the Compass Suite Success Center at Wittenberg University. And I am so excited that you are all listening in today as we get to talk with another accomplished alumnus about their career path and hear their advice on how you all as students and recent graduates can demonstrate leadership from the earliest moments of those new careers that you're about to begin. As we prepare in a future episode to wrap up this season of the podcast, I just wanted to take a moment to say thank you to all of you for tuning in each week and listening to all of these excellent conversations that we've been able to have with our accomplished alumni community. And I hope that this season has been really helpful for you as you discern your own career path and as you discern your own sense of vocation. I also hope that you've been able to pick up some tips along the way for how you too can be a leader in your field, even when you're the newest employee walking through the door. There's always an opportunity for you to demonstrate leadership, and I hope that our conversations with alumni this season have allowed you to come up with some tips and ideas for ways that you can do that. As always, if you have suggestions for future podcast topics or guests, reach out to us at careers at wittenberg.edu. Today on the pod, we are grateful to get to chat with alumnus Manny Lamar. Manny is a 2009 graduate of Wittenberg University, and during his time on campus, Manny studied political science and was on the track and field team. After graduation, Manny began his career as a teacher in the Teach for America program in Miami, Florida, and Manny will talk on the podcast about how that initial experience as a teacher allowed him to see the value of stable employment and workforce opportunity for families, and how that experience set his pathway towards a career in public policy and workforce development. Since that early experience, Manny has held many policy and management roles for government agencies, including serving the governor of Nevada as the executive director of the Office of Workforce Innovation, and his current role today as a senior advisor for the U.S. Department of Labor. In addition to his professional experience, Manny has also completed a master's degree in education policy and management from the Harvard Graduate School of Education. To say the least, Manny is an accomplished alumnus in this space, and I'm so excited to get to bring our conversation to you. So let's hop on over and hear what Manny has to say today. Well, Manny, I just want to take a moment and just welcome you to the Wit Wednesday pod and say thanks so much for being here and and just welcome on. Thank you. It's a pleasure uh, to, to be on a podcast. Oh, well, we are so excited to to get to share this with our students and to have you here and, and to have you uh, speaking words of insight and wisdom to them. And uh, we'll just jump right into it. I think as we were talking about this podcast, I mentioned to you that we are framing this entire summer series around what it means for students to lead from the back, what it, what it means for them to jump into new internships and new careers uh, right out of Wittenberg and to, and to be a leader in their field, recognizing that Leadership really isn't a position, but it's a set of traits and, and habits, uh, and and we know that that looks different in, in so many different fields. And so we are trying to to talk to our alumni community about what that looks like for them and what leadership means for you. And maybe I'll just start with that kind of a question, uh, Manny. What does when you think of leadership, what does it mean to you? No problem. Hey, thank you. So I mean. When I think about leadership, I really like your framing that leadership is not um, a position, actually. I mean, set a trait. One thing I'll mention when I think about leadership is really an ability to empower a team towards a common goal. That's kind of like 
like my big picture framework of a leadership, a leadership ability to empower a team towards a common goal. And that in, in order to empower that team towards a common goal, to your point, it really comes down to it's not really about a position because you can be you could have a, um, a quote, senior role or, or entry level role and still display um, strong leadership. And quite frankly, those traits, regardless of what the position is, you'll need them um, in regardless of whatever that title is that you have. And so hmm. um, one thing I think about, too, when I think about leadership I'll, in terms of empower that team towards that common goal is really about like listening. Like, can you. Um, can you um, engage in listening and, and hear what people are saying? So people say listening, but oftentimes we often are just getting ready to respond to someone and trying to see, read between the lines. What are their, even their facial expressions, like what's the concern, like what's the thing behind whatever the statement that they're saying? Um, it's about relationship building that, you know, to strong leaders are able to build relationships um, across lines, um, whether it's agreements or differences and still able to move uh, towards a common uh, sword, some common goal. You know, one other thing I think about is like, this was a, um, like a, a quote I heard once about leadership um, from like a course a long time ago, but it was around um, tending to the frozen ground. So it was essentially that mm -hmm. you have, a, you know, as you're engaged as, as, as a leader, you really want others uh, you want, you really want, you know, kind of everyone to blossom, right? It's not about, you know, me or whoever is saying that they're the leader being upfront is how can you actually empower everyone around you? to really, um, you know, engage in the work and the, um, and that also means sustainability. So that's the second thing I would say. So one is ability to empower teams towards a common goal. And then two, as you're working towards that common goal, your ability to sustain the work that you're doing. So if I'm engaging in something and as soon as I quote unquote, leave as a leader, it completely falls apart. Then, you know, there was some gap in that leadership. And I even think about this in an example of a, being a classroom teacher, um, where um, I just tell my students all the time, if you all are behave and you have, you know, engaging in the process when I'm there, but once you have a substitute teacher, you know, everything falls apart and you, and, and the mm. substitute teacher is complaining that that class wasn't together, then I didn't mm. do my job as a teacher actually. Yeah. Um, and we haven't really reached uh, towards that um, goal. Yeah. And I, that's, that's such a helpful reframing i think of leadership what you're what you're mentioning there because i think so often we get into this uh, mindset where we perceive leaders to be those who are taking action those who are up front those who are doing something uh, active and involved in their role but i think you know for, for a lot of people at the beginning of their careers leadership is about listening it is about learning the environment that you're in it is about building relationships and trying to figure out ways to to support and help your team and empower others to, to blossom that uh, analogy that you were giving there i think there's a lot of ways in which leadership has been kind of misdefined as that person up front who's taking action and leading the charge whereas it really uh, for for a lot of people leadership is is more about how can you empower others how can you listen to others how can you be present in your role and and and, and supporting your team along that common goal and i think that that's such a such a helpful reframing for students who are about to enter careers where they may not necessarily be in management or decision making roles yet. Those are still easy and tangible ways for them, I think, to come in and, and to demonstrate leadership right off right off the bat. Uh, 
thinking about that, Manny, and, and kind of going deeper with what you with with that perspective you just shared, I'm wondering if there are any ways that you've seen employees or yourself in your own organization uh, demonstrate leadership when when you just when they're just beginning, when they're just starting out, new job, maybe they just graduated, whatever it looks like, they're just starting with uh, with your organization. How, how are they demonstrating leadership in those early months of their careers? Absolutely, um, that's a great follow up. You know, a, a few examples in terms of how they, I've seen um, demonstrate leadership early on in their careers. The first one is really, and this is, I think, really important early on in the career. I think this is one of the most important skill um, early on in the career, and this managing up. And that managing up, what um, I mean by that is, and even my own experience, when I, you know, reported to um, an executive director in a former role, you know, he was, you know, you know, had a thousand things going on. He's really busy. And so it really, and he didn't have time to, you know, every day to do a check-in mm-hmm. every day. Yeah. So that, you know, again, depending on the environment you're in, that ability to manage up, essentially what that means is an ability to, you have to be able to ante- uh, anticipate, you know, the needs and really, I often used to always uh, hear this, and um, I was also told this, is I want to make my supervisor's um, role a little bit easier. That's really my role. I, I want to make, I wanted to make his role a bit easier on him and take things off his plate. That's really the thing. Every time he had to stop or, you know, or every time they have to stop to do something or, uh, or to clarify or add something, I'm adding to their play, especially in an, if you're in an um, intense environment. So that ability to manage up, that means listening to or understanding what they're um, uh, saying, knowing when to kind of um, like, I'll, I'll give a quick example. Every time I had a question, I'm not, you know, every two seconds saying, Hey, here's a question on this. Here's a question on this. Um, which means that in the beginning, I have to be really, really like attentive in listening to what is it like their need, asking those clarifying questions um, early on. And knowing when to check in, when to check, um, when to, um, I don't, I may not need to check in, knowing who else actually, right, I could connect with. And this is goes well to the early on in your career. Who are those people? And like, it's, it could be the executive assistant that actually knows the culture really well and knows that environment. But sometimes we might start a role and not really attend to all the individuals within an organization, whether it's the custodian, whether it's the, you know, you know, a project manager, whatever that role is, just really seeing who are all those individuals within that ecosystem? What can I learn from them? What can I share with them? Um, it, it, it could be just either informational interviews, coffee, you know, whatever it mm, is to yeah. really get a full sense of the culture what is stated, what is unstated. So managing up, um, and then the final thing I'll say is in terms of managing up, taking initiatives is number two. And then the other thing is that you have to meet your goal. You have to meet, um, execute on your goals. If you're assigned a task or if I'm assigned a task, I essentially, I would, I, I just have to get it done. Like that's no, if, ands or buts to it. And if I'm not, if, if for whatever reason I'm having some trouble, this is why the relationship part comes in, right? Is that knowing who to go to if I'm having a problem or if I'm having a challenge. Not every challenge needs to escalate all the way up to the executive director. Who else in the organization or on my team that I might reach out to first and so no, like to stagger those. So um, those are the main things that I would say. Um, it, it, one, overall, the ability to manage up 
But then within that, to do that, you're taking initiatives, you're building relationship with, you know, um, uh, un- to understand the organizational culture, but you're also just meeting your goals. Like if yeah. when I then became an executive director, if I assigned a task, like, and if the individual or the team member weren't actually executing the task, then like that, you know, that would, you know, that would be a challenge because that means some, the work has to, that someone has to get that done. That might be, mean me having a doubling back. Mm. And so you still have to, you know, meet that goal. Mm. Yeah. You know, I was thinking of a word as you were describing uh, the managing up and anticipating needs and, and making things easier for your supervisors and, and all of those uh, just helpful uh, pieces of advice that you were providing. I was just thinking of the word aware. I think mm-hmm. being aware early on in your career of what's going on, what are the needs of your colleagues, what are ways you can support your colleagues, what are ways you can support your supervisor and the people uh, in management above you, what are the ways that, you know, I think we get so focused on uh, personal role and personal responsibility, which those are the base, right? I mean, the base of what you have to do for your job, but it's also helpful that once you've got that baseline uh, understanding of what you do and what you're responsible for in your role, looking outward, not being selfish, looking outward and focusing on how in the how are you able to support others uh, in the work that they're doing? And I think just being aware is really just such a helpful thing to to keep in mind as you're trying to be a leader early on, um, recognizing that yeah. And that's just really quickly. That's that emotional intelligent aspect that mm, yeah. Um, and you know we can talk to this you know later, but that that's the other piece, which is that it's a combination of you know the skill is a combination of like the technical and the professional. And like when you mention situational awareness, it makes me, it really makes me think of emotional and like, you know, EQ, like, you know, yeah. IQ and EQ yeah. and someone could be able to, you know, you know, execute on an equation or write or whatever kind of like the technical yeah. task is, but that ability to be situational aware, emotional intelligence, like knowing to, you know, reading the room, Knowing when to, you know, maybe take a step back. Maybe you're, you know, you've, you know, talked too much or not talking enough, not engaging. Um, maybe you're noticing that there's, you know, there's a, a shift in the room. And this is also why it goes back to making sure that you're engaging with um, everyone in your environment, not just the yeah. person with like the, you know, the fancy title, because oftentimes the people around you are actually the one that's going to be able to really tell you about the organization, you know, about the culture. And again, going back to just the situational awareness, I really like your point around the situational awareness. I think of of like that EQ aspect, the emotional um, um, uh, intelligence. Yeah, well, I think a lot of students, especially if they're going into a corporate environment, but in most jobs, I I think after uh, graduation, students are going to come into some some sort of uh, situation where they're going to have to do some sort of performance evaluation, right? Their employer, management, whatever, uh, will will do something like that. And for the longest time, that was those performance evaluations that happen and come around every year or cyclically, they would only focus on, are you doing good work in the role you're supposed to be doing your job in? Are you doing good work surrounding what's expected of you? And now, I think there's a shift in, in in those evaluations also talking about how are you supporting others? How are you supporting your colleagues? How are you supporting the work of the entire organization, the culture, the, you know, all of those things. So it's not just an inward focus anymore. People need, students need to be thinking about how are they able to support the broader goals of the organization, even while they're doing excellent work in what, you know, in the role that they, that, that they're in. So I think that's really helpful for, 
for, for those who are about to, to enter the workforce. And I think that's, that's great. Uh, Manny, I'm wondering if you can point out or identify any specific skills or traits uh, that you learned during your time at Wittenberg that you have really identified as being really helpful for you in your career that's helped you lead or stand out in your career so far. Um, absolutely. I, I think the number one is, a, is around communication. And what I mean by communication yeah. is uh, three specific things. The first one, and not in any particular order, because they're actually all equal um, and you need the combination of all three. The first one is ability to write effectively. So when I say communication is about uh, three things. The first one, um, again, not in a particular order, but writing. I think we underestimate how important it is to write effectively and communicate yeah. your message. Because when you think of you know a 21st century work environment, you're often in with email, you're often engaged in whether it's email or some other way that you're writing. And as you engage in, you know, maybe senior roles, like I've had to, you know, author articles or podcasts or, you know, interviews, writing effectively to communicate your message. I can have the best thought or the best train of thought. If I can't write and communicate that effectively and my message is lost with that, then that um, actually would pose a challenge. The second one is speaking. And I think that, again, at Wittenberg, specifically in terms of Wittenberg, Wittenberg is where I developed those skills, like, like period. All the, you know, papers we had to write. I mean, every single class, essentially, there was some kind of, you know, paper that we had to write. Yeah. And they were, the writing of the paper required us to, like, think critically, put an argument together. I think that's, the you know, the, the piece there. It's the kind of X's and O's of writing, but I think it's also broadly about, um communicating, like putting, synthesizing thoughts together, um, the approach, right? So it's not just, when, so when I say writing, I'm really talking about kind of like the broader of how do I synthesize my thoughts effectively? How do I make it succinct, right? Yeah, um, yeah. I think of a supervisor as like, hey, like I need your really quick message, like the really quick thing, and I need it really short. I need to, um, and now I do a lot of, you know, policy um, documents, work on a lot of policy documents. Second one, I mentioned speaking, and of course, all the group presentations that we have at Wittenberg is where you develop those kind of, you know, it, it seems like, it, it may seem like it's just a task when, you know, a professor says, hey, present, you know, you know, in front of the class, but those are where you get to practice speaking um, and communicating your message. And the last round of communication is like listening, of course, um, so like listening to what individuals are saying and they're and um responding to either in writing or speaking and that could mean again interviews and um emails like everything so much around it i just don't know if i've seen or heard of someone excel and they can't write or speak effectively quite frankly i just don't like i just don't know of uh i, I can't think of an example. The only other thing I'll mention in terms of Wittenberg is, you know, I've either mentioned it before, but it's just around that critical thinking and um, what, you know, critical thinking is. And I know it's, it may seem like a buzzwords, but it's really like what's, you know, where, um, you know, as you process, it's about processing information. It's about knowing how to respond to information. It's about thinking what is not being said and I even think about, you know, even probably some essays at Wittenberg where you, we had to kind of distill or, or decouple arguments. 
Hmm. And then yeah. we would put it back together, like um, whether it was in, you know, the con law class I took with Dr. Wright or the philosophy with um, Dr. Martinez signs or our poli sci class uh, with Dr. Hasaki. And so it's, uh, there's so many different examples I could think of where, you know, think critically, but then you have to communicate, right? Speak and listen. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I think all of the students listening, when you're wondering at 2 a.m., why am I writing this 15-page research paper? <laughs> <laughs> it, remember, even if you're never going to talk about that topic, you're writing the paper on again, the skill you're learning and putting it together, making an argument and and writing uh, in good prose and, and style. It's so helpful, I think, for, for all sorts of career fields that you might go into. But I think um, especially, you know, we hear that a lot from people who are working in the public in the public space, um, whether it be whether they're working, you know, in, in policy and the legislature and in Washington, D.C. or government organizations or other spaces. Writing is really important. I think, uh, as I understand it, for, you know, working in federal agencies or even state agencies, because it's such a way, it's such an important piece of how those agencies document and communicate and, 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 and share ideas about policy and, and, and practice. This episode of the Wit Wednesday pod is brought to you by Wittenberg University Handshake. Did you know that Handshake is a powerful career tool that can help you find on-campus jobs, off-campus internships, and full-time careers? Additionally, Handshake provides you with the ability to attend virtual events and career fairs with top-ranking employers. The Handshake platform is available to all Wittenberg students, and you can check it out today by going to wittenberg.joinhandshake.com. So I want to take a moment and shift a little bit, Manny, to talking about your career and organization that you're currently working for today. You're currently working for the U.S. Department of Labor. And I'm wondering if you can just take a moment and describe to us a little bit about what your day-to-day role looks like and what that is, um, what, what that entails for you. Uh, excellent. Uh, thank you. Um, he, so my role is I'm a senior advisor at the U.S. Department of Labor. Uh, I was appointed by the White House in that role in January. And my, my, well, one, my day-to-day is very different from um, in, on any given day. Um, but more broadly speaking, what that means is particularly I'm working on um, workforce development. So senior advisor for workforce development. And I'm really working on a variety of pieces. And that really entails how do we advance and build that economy um, where individuals can get access and excel in job training. And so Mm. at the end of the day, it's about making sure that um, we're creating um, opportunities, job training programs, uh, policies um, where um, that's that are equitable. So everyone could succeed in Excel to around improving access to job quality or improving job quality. So, um, you know, creating good jobs, quite frankly, and then, um, you know, three around, you know, those system alignment. Um, how do we work across agencies? So on any given day, I could either be drafting a memo, um, reviewing a memo for the secretary. I can be uh, reviewing a policy uh, or I could be drafting policy. I can be speaking. Um, my role mm-hmm. also um, entails public engagement. And so I can be speaking with uh, industry um, leaders in the public or private sector 
around workforce development, education, and job training. Sometimes it's, you know, presentations. And so I would, you know, sometimes travel for a conference where I'm speaking about, you know, the work that we're doing or engaging with individuals one-on-one or in small groups um, to think about a, a policy initiative, hearing and learning from stakeholders. And so in a particular field around what their needs are, what their concerns are for a particular industry I work, you know, so I engage around, in, uh, particularly around job training, um, supply chain, thinking about how do we improve our supply chain? How do we engage with employers, both in the public and private sector employers? Um, so at any given day, it's very, very mm. different. <laughs> My <Yeah>. day starts, <laughs> you know, uh, early and goes late, um, <laughs> very late. And, but I really enjoy what I'm doing because I think, I am, you know, from Wittenberg, I majored in political science and I was always interested in policy because I think that policy, um, one, policy affects everything that we do. Every yeah. single thing that we do is is somehow impacted by policy. The speed limit, like every single thing, policy impacts that. And I really do think policy is a means and can be a mean um, and is a mean, quite frankly, right, to drive change in terms of the world yeah. that we want to see. Um, yeah. And so that's pretty much my day-to-day um, around um, workforce development. And I love it yeah. because nothing better than I like uh, nothing better than creating opportunities for people to get mm. um, access to good jobs and thriving. Yeah. Well, tell, tell us a little bit about your overall passion for education and workforce development. I think you've shared a little bit about that, but how has how has that led to, you know, all the multiple shifts that maybe you've had between public and private sector during your career? Um, what 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 gives you that passion for workforce development? Why why is that a, you know, feel that's interesting to you and that, that's important to you and, and and what what type of meaning does it does it give to you to be able to work in in that space where you're you're, you're so focused on providing, you know, good quality jobs for for people in the country? Uh, absolutely. So my career has um, been in the uh, public sector. I began in, as an elementary school teacher uh, with Teach for America. Um, early on, um, I taught uh, elementary, middle school, worked at a, um, you know, a foundation later on, and it had been, you know, advised a governor in Nevada for uh, quite mm-hmm. for a while um, before I started advising at the federal level. But for me, like my career and tra- trajectory and like career path around workforce development, it really became like when I was teaching and I taught in the um, inner city of Miami, taught in the same neighborhood I grew up in. And mm-hmm. for me, I always saw that and engaged when I engaged with, I mentored um, young adults, uh, young men, particularly. And I always saw an experience that if someone had access and they were able to get on a career path, it would completely change their life around. It mm-hmm. created a sense of optimism it uh, created a, uh, a sense of, you know, quite frankly, uh, control uh, within their own, uh, within their own yeah. um, like personal life to thrive and succeed. So that is when I began teaching, I used to talk to my students' parents and in my, even then I was, you know, how do I, can I connect you to advancing a career path around economic mobility? I do think, you know, one of the, you know, if we can really address the issue of economic mobility in our country, mm-hmm. we really, mm-hmm. really um, could, you know, see like positive change. And so from there on, I really started engaging. I wanted to do something in policy. And I'll just quickly add that just really quickly in that even throughout my career on the policy side, it was me leading from behind, not like in, um, yeah. you know, in, you know, a big role. And 
because up, you know, at the policy level, I was often behind the scene advising, often behind yeah. the scene reviewing a document and providing recommendations behind the scene that then you know other leaders you would take up. And so I, you know, and for me it was a just that that passion around ensuring economic mobility. That's you know that really drives me day to day, and you know what I care about. Mm-hmm. Because oh, I've seen the great. difference it makes in people's lives. Yeah. And I think it's so helpful to be able to connect your 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 work that you're doing on a day-to-day basis with some with, with that kind of a passionate connection to how it makes a difference in the lives of the people that it impacts and that it affects. And I think that if you can find that in your career, that's such a such a um and, yeah. And and just really quickly, like a quick example, right? Or a quick kind of anecdote, you know, and yeah, actually, just recently, um, there was an individual. I was at a we had a, um, a good job summit um, that was uh, uh, put on um, by the uh, department uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I heard from an individual um, from he was in Boston, and he had been in and out um, in uh, in terms of incarceration. He talked about he had access to um, something that we work on, which is registered apprenticeships, apprenticeships, mm-hmm. and he talked about and he had uh, I think he has you know two daughters or two kids, and he just talked about how. That once he got that access to that apprenticeship program, and he he, it completely changed his um, life. When you think about it, right? If you have access to a good job, that also means you have you know healthcare, or you're not worried at least, right, about healthcare. It helps think about housing. It you know it puts you in a better position for housing. It puts you in. So it's it's connected to so many other things in your life, Um, and you know that's just you know one extreme example. But I just think about the day to day individual, you know, regardless of what part of the country you're in, if you have access to a good job and you have get this opportunity to get the skills to get those, think of all the other things you don't think about that's connected or that improves in your life, your, um, you know, in terms of just your mental health or emotional and and, and, um, your, um, your day to day. Now, again, it doesn't solve everything just to be clear, but it sure is enough, uh, put you in a better position to address your fundamental needs. I think of like the Maslow's hierarchy of need. Um, mm. We're talking about yeah. you know, food, nutrition, housing, health, um, and so forth. So that's really why I'm, you know, I'm really driven around the economic mobility aspect. Like how do we get people up the economic um, ladder? Mm. Yeah. And I think a lot of that times can be obscured, especially in a tight labor market. People don't recognize all of the uh, mobility challenges that are that are there behind the scenes for access to training and job programs and connections and resources to, to get people moving along that that mobility uh, uh, scale. Because I think everyone hears every day. It's such a tight labor market, such a tight labor market. Um, but but there's a lot of other factors that go into it, I'm sure. Indeed. Well, let me ask you this. You just uh, were talking about your work in public uh, engagement and going to conferences and, and representing the U.S. Department of Labor. And you recently just had the opportunity to uh, represent the U.S. Department of Labor at the International Labor Conference in Geneva, Switzerland. And I'm just wondering, you know, what what was that like for you? Uh, and, and, and what does that mean for what did that mean for your career and your in your work? Absolutely. Um, so. You know, it was a really great experience. So um, I was in Geneva, Switzerland, and um, we were meeting at the United Nations with about 130 countries. And really, that experience, it actually, again, connects back to that, even my Wittenberg experience. We are, um, we had translators, but we have representatives from 
Asian countries, African countries, Middle Eastern countries, European countries, the Caribbean. And we really, really had to, you know, communicate. So talk about like the earlier point around communicating effectively. Our days were long. It was like 9 a.m. to like 10 p.m. Um, and we had a couple hours break in between. But we were essentially engaging around a, um, a international framework for apprenticeships uh, programs, and we were uh, developing recommendations. But there, it's really around engaging and even all the words that we choose, how we communicate had to be, you know, like intentional and thoughtful because we're trying to come to an agreement. So imagine trying to get, you know, 100 plus countries in agreement around a framework. And so that often means, one, that actually means relationship building ahead of times before and after the meetings to, one, understand each other, but then two, being able to, you know, think strategically about, you know, where we can find consensus, because essentially without a majority a consensus, we couldn't move on. And so that was just a phenomenal one. It was just a phenomenal experience. Just, just hearing from the other side of different parts of the world, how they approach, how they approach an aspect yeah. of job training. So, but outside of that piece around like learning, hearing and listening, like the different approaches, hearing the different ways of thinking and doing things, I think in order to be, to execute, it really required a lot of the earlier things we talked about around communication, just again, because, you know, someone in, you know, Colombia, they're speaking, you know, we have a translator, but I had to be able to really kind of pay attention and listen to what they're saying, what yeah. they, um, and then vice versa. And then, um, and then communicate that across the board, like, you know, coming together, um, you know, and, you know, how do we build consensus around, you know, these common framework? Manny, I'm wondering, can you share just a little bit, you know, we hear a lot on the podcast from those working in the private sector, those working for uh, companies, organizations, nonprofits, uh, and, and they describe, you know, what the work environment's like and what the work culture is like. Uh, but I think it's helpful for students to also hear what that environment, what the work culture is like at a, at a government agency, at a federal agency uh, like the U.S. Department of Labor. So can you just take a moment and just kind of describe to, to, to those who are listening, what, what is the culture? culture of, of the organization like and what does you know what's it like working uh, in that type of environment yeah um absolutely well i mean the the first thing is this um that there's a lot of really really smart people around you and mm. you're never the smartest person in the room um, <laughs> and so never um and if you think you're the smartest person in the room then you, you then you either need a little bit more humility or you're lying to yourself <laughs> because there's so many people with so many vast experiences. So even in my time, when in like the diverse experience I've had, I have people with you know you know a lot more and different and unique experiences that approach to thinking differently. So the first thing in terms of the culture is just being around a lot of really it's just a lot of really smart people that's been doing the work long, that's committed to it, um, that's passionate about it. Yeah. Um, so as a result of that, though. It does make the environment a bit, uh, uh, I think, more intense, right? And the intense part is because everybody's passionate about it. Like everyone's doing the work because they actually care about it. They're not doing it, you know, just because it's it's very intentional that why they're on that path. So the first thing I would say is just around uh, just knowing to be able to kind of humble and be you, you, you humble yourself and be um, and see like kind of have that humility to realize that you know. 
everyone's experience is valuable and they're, you know, and, and again, it's and they're passionate about it. So it makes it intense, very collaborative, actually, essentially there's very few decisions where uh, one individual person just makes the, they're the only one's opinion that matters actually. And so the reason why I bring that up is again, about the across collaborating and in terms of the work culture, if you can't work in teams and you, you, you won't likely be able to work. And I'm saying likely just to be generous, but you really wouldn't be able to um, work um, in, um, in that environment, um, very team culture, but also mm. just that there's like a, a sense of kind of being able to, you know, be relaxed and also have fun and like, you know, check, you know, and engage kind of more broadly about your overall aspect, you know, the overall aspect and passion that people care about. And so um, I, you know, I really enjoy it. Now I will say in in the particular role I'm in, um, you know, it is long hours. So, um, <laughs> but it, it is a uh, really long hours, but it's work that I enjoy doing. And so, you know, I, I love it. Work with really great people, really smart people. I learned a lot every single day. And I know it sounds like very cliche to say every single day, but every day I'm learning, I'm working on some kind of policy that, you know, that's super nuanced or yeah. that I didn't completely understand. Um, and, and so it's really great. It, it, it really is great. Hmm. That's perfect. Well, Manny, I think we have time for maybe one more question. And I'm just wondering, you, you talked a lot about how your education at Wittenberg and your liberal arts experience has helped you to, to navigate your career and the changes and, and transitions that you've had. And I'm wondering if there's any advice that you'd like to leave with students who are currently navigating this entry into the workforce or who are planning to do so in the next year or so. Uh, what, you know, for all those students about to, to, to get started in, in this new world for them, a world they haven't been in before, a world that may seem a little daunting, a little uh, unnerving as they're as they're looking ahead to their time after Wittenberg. What advice might you leave to them uh, as they as they begin this new journey that they're that they're on? Absolutely. So a couple of things I'll just end with. One, in terms of advice, don't do it alone. You're not alone. And I think the biggest, and I often say this all the time. I think that you know the biggest challenge is um, individuals feeling like or like they have to do it alone. Um, don't, so the first, don't do it alone. Two, don't be, don't be afraid to ask for help. Three, along your journey, um, make friends before you need them. And this is the relationship aspect that I mentioned. You really have to make friends before you need them. And so what that means is that can mean, you know, engaging with people early on, you know, volunteering sometimes to help and support people, like getting to know your individuals that you're working with or around. So like just getting to know people. And when I say getting to know uh, your colleagues, I mean, all of your colleagues, like if, you know, when you walk in a building, the custodian that's in the building, make sure you're engaging with them. You greet them and treat, you treat them with respect um, at the same level of respect that you provide to whoever the director is. And so those would be like, don't be, um, don't do it alone. Don't be afraid to ask for help. And, um, you know, be intentional about your um, engagement and relationship building. And I, I, I think that if you have, if you're at least thinking about those three, you, you're on the right path. The only other thing I'll say that I want, I want to say earlier um, around a, a quote or a saying that I heard from, um, from a, an employer once that I think is important is that they often said, I was interviewing employers for um, a um, around, uh, you know, what kind of employees they're looking for. And this stood out to me that these employers said, they said they hire for hard skills and they fire for soft skills or professional skills. And I think that that's something we should keep in mind. 
so that they hire for hard skills, but whenever they often had to fire someone, it was for professional skills. So what that means is that, you know, you could be a strong, um, you know, you could, you could, you know, know how to analyze the data. If you're in the data space, you can know how to write a good memo and in your interview that will get you hired depending on whatever role that you're in that those are the things that they're but after that it's all the other things that we talked about earlier around communication relationship building emotional um intelligence those are the things the people yeah. that either move up in leadership and or the people that end up um not having success quite frankly it's those skills that often trips them up not the technical skills so that's the only thing i'll say and mm-hmm. you know good luck and um, had a great experience at Wittenberg. It's, you know, helped my career. And so uh, thank you for this. I appreciate the opportunity. Oh, well, thank you so much, Manny, for, for giving of your time and your busy schedule to, to chat with me and to, to chat with all the students who are listening. And for, for those of you who are listening, you know, I think it's really easy to think, oh, I need to develop those soft skills and, and also those technical skills. Internships are a great way to, to practice that. Uh, you're learning a lot of technical information in the classroom about how to, uh, how, to, how to be involved in the work that you're preparing for. But at the same time, internships are a great opportunity for you to take those technical skills, put them into practice, and also get some, get, get some opportunity to, to learn how to be a professional in the, wor- in, in, in the workplace and how to take on those, those soft skills that, uh, that, that are really vital to your career. So I appreciate you lifting that up, Manny. Yeah, go ahead. Can I say one really quick thing? When you mentioned the internship, I yeah. literally, like my whole career have literally been in terms of like opportunities and success have literally been because of internships and fellowships. Like I mean, yeah. from at Wittenberg started off with an internship, the Washington semester abroad and of doing a variety of internships. That's what exposed me and got me into the policy, like really yeah. into the policy space. And it was the Washington um, abroad like uh, that I did in Wittenberg. Now, I mean, moving forward, when I wanted to do policy, it was a variety of internships and fellowships. And as a matter of fact, before I was appointed by the governor in Nevada back in 2015 to start a st- the a state workforce agency, it was actually, I only got connected, to, uh, I, my only experience in, into the governor's office was because of a fellowship. I did a fellowship um, through the Leadership Educational um, Equity, and I, I was doing a nine-month fellowship. And it was, you know, I was supporting working with the governor and his senior advisor at that time. Because of my experience and my success in the fellowship, by the time my fellowship was done, I was appointed by the governor as executive director through an internships uh, or fellowship slash fellowship. Um, so mm-hmm. to your point, do not underestimate. And then when I became an executive director uh, hiring and managing teams, I made sure to have um, interns and I've hired uh, and I hired, you know, uh, our interns on um, after their internship. So that point is so important. Like that experience that you could get, don't just see it as, oh, I'm just doing an internship. Those literally could make your make your career. And I, I know personally, like every single career kind of break I've had, it was because I started an internship. Um, I did well in that internship. And then something came about it after the fact. And because I was able to show that I can do the work, you have the relationship and so on and so forth. So that's a really, really good point. And that might be, you know, outside of the communication, like those professional skills, that might be like the biggest takeaway to like, keep in mind, like do not undervalue those experiences. You have to show that you're ready for the next role before you're in the next role and the internships or fellowships. Those are how you do that. Like if 
you show, if I was doing the fellowship and I didn't show that I was ready to be executive director, there's no way a governor would say, yes, I'm going to point you to that role. If I was like, oh, this is just a fellowship. I don't, yeah. I, I just have to do it halfway. So thank you for bringing that up. Oh, well, I think it's such an important point. And I mentioned this on a previous episode, but I'll say it again. You know, students oftentimes perceive and think about internships as a requirement, something they have to do for their major. But really, if you're listening to this, think about internships as an opportunity to explore, to build skills, to build, start building those relationships and to start, you know, getting your feet wet in the field that you're going to be working in. Because I think it's really important for you to use this time that you have during your experience at Wittenberg to do that exploration, to do that initial skill skill building that's going to be much easier for you to do now than it will be whenever you're finally getting into that first full-time job after graduation. So make use of this moment uh, as an opportunity to do to do an internship or to, to get some initial experience uh, in, in your field. I think it's such an important and valuable uh, tool to, to have with you. And remember, uh, Manny mentioned uh, don't do it alone, ask for help, and make friends early. I think those are all easy ways for, for you all to think about your, your approach to the workplace as you're getting ready to, to graduate or to, to enter your full-time job. So thanks so much again, Manny, for, for spending some time with us today. Uh, it's been so much fun to talk to you, and I appreciate all the words of wisdom you're, you're giving to the students who are listening. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Yeah, for all of you who are tuning in, uh, don't forget, we'll be back again next week with another episode uh, with another accomplished alumnus ready to share advice with you. Uh, in the meantime, if you need career support or would just like to talk about your own vocational discernment, please reach out to us in the Office of Career and Professional Development. Uh, we are available even over the summer, so don't hesitate to, to reach out. Uh, and make sure to tune back in again next week, and we would love to see you there. Take care and tiger up. Thank you.